0: Lush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. We are a happily married couple, just turned 14 years. We have four children, ages 11 through 4. And we live in Montana and our podcast, so you know what to expect, is Expect the Unexpected. We don't really talk about our our things before we do the show. Like We'll talk about things during the week, but... It's minimal, and um, so we never really know what we're going to talk about ahead of time, which is, I think, what makes our podcast um, charming. Can I use the word charming? Maybe. Uh, or does you, that not work? You can. I don't know you if can. that works. Charming. I don't know. I don't
1: think, I, yeah, don't, I actually don't think anyone has ever called either of us charming.
0: No, no. In fact,
1: but, but it gives our podcast a welcoming, realistic flair.
0: Yes. So uh, we are, um, what are you drinking?
1: This is Natural Grocer's Citrus Detox Tea. Oh, fascinating. It's got nettle leaf and green tea and mate and lemon balm and... Does it
0: taste any good, though?
1: I think it does. It's kind of citrusy green tea.
0: I'm drinking water. We're sitting at a microphone down in my studio... Um, And you can join us in our conversation today. Um, Molly said she doesn't actually have enough, maybe, that uh, will fill 45 minutes. And I said lies, all lies, (laughs) because you're always ready to talk and talk and then talk some more.
1: That's true. It just is a matter of if it's meaningful talk that's worth somebody popping in some earbuds and spending 45 minutes listening to us. Not always. Not always. 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 I will start with a reminder to people that if you haven't tried the roasted carrots recipe that I've referenced several times this summer, do that. Our next door neighbor Julie last night when she came over for a Labor Day barbecue said they were the best roasted carrots she'd ever had. And her husband, Marty, was like, those were carrots?
0: He thought they were sweet potatoes.
1: (laughs) Which is fair. They were orange, dark orange things covered in spices. But you toss them with... the cheese is just... You toss them with cumin and salt and pepper and garlic powder and roast them in olive oil. And then after they're done, toss them with lemon zest and goat cheese. And I didn't realize the recipe called for parsley. I've been using cilantro all summer. So parsley or cilantro apparently works. Cool. And I will have JR again post that recipe, but if you haven't tried it, you should.
0: My dad crushed—he did some beef short ribs, and he kind of crushed them last night. And, you know, they have the texture. He likes them really—he likes them fall off the bone, and I know some hardcore barbecue guys are like, no, you need to leave bite marks, yada, 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 whatever. This is really good. It's kind of like it's kind of has the consistency of pot roast, but what I love— is the fact that there's a crust? there. It's
1: caramelized on the it's outside. It's
0: almost. It's all. It's not quite to pot roasty levels, but it's, you know. But it's like, but there's a crust there, and you don't get a crust. B- crust makes barbecue for me. Like that. That. That makes barbecue for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and
1: by barbecue we're talking traditional barbecue, not we're seven burgers of on cooking. the go.
0: Yeah, eight hours of slow cooking over smoke. Well, we have a we have a Traeger right now that we've been using for gosh, how long have we been in this house? Six, Six years. years? been using it for seven years now Um, because we bought it the year we moved in but yeah so the crust makes everything for me and uh, yeah it's just I love and I love good food but Sunday we went out to Molly's parents were gone are gone until today so Sunday, I, we went out after church to uh, one of our favorite little Mexican places, and it's a it's a it's a cheesy beans and rice Mexican place restaurant, family run restaurant, and um,
1: the Mexican rice blew Lily's mind, which was hilarious. <laughs> like Lily, we've eaten at this place a couple times a year for the last couple of years, and you always get this exact same rice with your food. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, she was like, "Could we make this at home?" We can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> blew her mind but i always get typically if it's sunday you know if it's a lunch i'll get like enchiladas or something but if it's a sunday sunday you know dinner type of thing i'll get carne asada it's kind of my jam and you guys i've been full since sunday afternoon i didn't have anything to eat sunday night monday rolls yesterday rolls around and i wasn't planning on eating till dinner and my mom goes i think i'm gonna make biscuits and gravy sausage biscuits and gravy which is like for breakfast for breakfast which is like my all-time favorite right So I can't say no. So I have three of those. And then I had forgotten we had a lunch planned with some friends. So then we went out to lunch and had chicken fingers. (laughs) And then we had to barbecue last night. And I'm just like, I haven't eaten anything today. And I'm not. I mean, I had some celery.
1: So interestingly enough, the Mark Schatzker in The End of Craving would say that your body is keeping careful count of your calorie consumption and balancing out your hunger and what food you're actually hungry for based on what it believes your needs are.
0: So, you would say that your body has a natural cuz I know a lot of people count calories and track their diets, but you your body could actually just do that for you if you listen to it and you eat good foods.
1: That your body can can actually understand, min, understand, what, understand what it's getting. Are. Yes. He in I think he says this in his podcast interview with Sean Stevenson, but in the book, The End of Craving, he talks about this one woman that logged her food, but not calories for a year straight. She wasn't counting calories necessarily, but they, for some reason, people, the researchers were following what she ate for a year and her, her eating varied by thousands of calories per day. It, of course, in the holiday season, she's—I can't remember. He says there was one day where she logged five or 6,000 calories, and other days she was under 2,000. And she was just eating what she felt like eating. And her weight changed by one or two pounds over the course of that whole year, where she wasn't—anyway, the the point is that the brain is this incredible— calculator that is calculating and driving what you want to eat. So the fact that you're not hungry today is not you consciously saying, I've been overeating for the last few days. I'm not going to eat to make up for it. It's your brain saying, I've had all of this rich, delicious food and I am chock full calorie wise and then maybe this after, at dinner time you're going to be like, you know what, I really just feel like eating chips and salsa because what you need is the is the electrolytes from the salt, and then the minerals well, I felt that you'll was, get from all of the fruits and vegetables? I saw in the, salsa. the bag
0: of celery, carrots, and broccoli in the fridge, and I was like, "Oh, that looks good." Your oh, body's I like, got, I, And then like, "I gotta have some peanut butter with my celery." <laughs> so then I had like five celery, celery s- short. Like you know, your body was like sticks. your body was
1: like. I need some fiber to get all this food out of me. No, my body is totally. <laughs>
0: I've been constipated for three days.
1: Well, that's like I a need problem. fiber.
0: So, um, speaking of Sean Stevenson, you guys, if we mention podcast links, books, etc., everything will be in the show notes because I, I take notes during the show. Speaking of po- Sean Stevenson, you have recently started reading "Eat Smarter." Yes. Any thoughts yet?
1: I haven't really made it that far. Okay. My so only no. thought is it's a really big big book. And this guy is a really smart dude to write such a big book. Um, I'm looking it up right now because when I purchased it, it still is. So it's a, actually it's cheaper than when I bought it. It's retail is $28 hardcover. And on Amazon right now, it's $13 for this multi hundred page. I'm holding up, it, it's probably close to two inches thick hardcover book. Mm-hmm and it's 13 dollars on Amazon right now.
0: So as you guys know for those of you that have been on with us for any length of time we switched Amazon quit uh, allowing us to do allowing me cuz I do all the work all that back end work the an easy way of posting Amazon referral links, you know, a lot of people are like, "Hey, click this link and I get a little kickback." So I stopped wholesale doing it. And Molly and I have kind of had an aversion towards Amazon anyway. And so I've been put with books. I've been posting Barnes and Noble links, but I'm also a fan to get a a decent price. So I'll post the Amazon link in this case.
1: And I did just send you the affiliate link from my phone. So if you buy it via the link. You have an affiliate link? Yeah. I think it's linked through our...
0: Not automatically. You have to do it automatically through the... Are you sure? Yep.
1: Okay. We're going to have to discuss this later because when I say... When I click on share link, that's what I get.
0: What? What? How do you do this?
1: You click on the little shared arrow at the corner, top corner of the book. I don't have right this on my phone.
0: Book. It says copy associates link.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: Hmm. Okay, so I'll anyway, me all the Amazon links. <laughs> guys,
1: we're always in a learning process. Wow. Speaking of constantly learning, today is our first day of school.
0: How's that going? For the I kids. I haven't talked to you much. I've been shipping,
1: it's, working on shipping Spartan it's parts. gone better, I think, I than planned but i had very low expectations and the reason is you guys we we've been needing slash wanting to get our kids passports partly so we can potentially go to the caribbean in the spring but also because we think our family should have passports mine is also expired and so jr took the initiative because i am terrible at taking initiative and following through on things took the initiative and scheduled passport appointments for us For nine o'clock this morning. So instead of starting school at nine o'clock this morning, we were standing in line at the post office to talk to The Kids got
0: it's it's government studies.
1: Social studies. It was a field trip. (laughs) A social studies field trip. And it it ended up taking up a lot more of our day than hoped because the very sweet guy who is a dad of two girls who were in elementary school messed up Faith's photo. He didn't get the dimensions right. Her face was too—it was too much of a close-up, so he had to retake it. And Faith is four, and (laughs) she—and
0: weird, she's really weird. You guys. Well,
1: we're all weird and hard, right? I should actually do some sort of deep dive into my own psychology with this because I'm sure I do this in ways too. But Faith took the fact that she, only she of all of the family members, had to get her photo retaken as judgment upon herself. Or something is that really what it was? I don't know. She was she was devastated. You guys, she could not. That, so we went through. He hold. filled out all of the paperwork and you know copied stuff and we signed stuff. And because it it took a long time because there were four kids and then I filled out mine and then I realized that we had brought an expi a, the previous expired passport. So I had to go home that had my maiden name on it. I grabbed the wrong one. Funny enough, both of my passport photos from both of my so from 1998 to 2008 and then that the next one where we changed i changed my name to the it expired in 2019 i think i have short hair in all of them
0: <laughs> you only had short hair like I've twice sh- in your entire life
1: <laughs> right i i have very you know my hair is almost down to my butt you guys and my hair is chin length in both passport pictures That's hilarious. yeah the kids were i showed both pictures i showed them they were like Whoa! It's just hard for them to imagine me with short hair, because I haven't for their whole lives. Actually, I think after Titus was born, I got my hair cut sort of short. Maybe. Anyway, Faith just melted into a hysterical puddle, and I tried bribing her with... With suckers, the postal guy tried bribing her with this. Kids offered to take photos with her. The kids tried to help her. I offered to hold her hand, and she just we stood it in front of the white wall, and she just curled up in a ball and cried. And we tried, and then we had to leave because it was not going to work that time. And he said, "Come back after lunch, because I'm not going to mail these off until after lunch." And we went back after lunch, and he wasn't there, but there was another very nice lady that. He had said if they come back during the one hour that I'm going to lunch, which was it was a little bit after a normal lunchtime. But anyway, so I drove to the small town that's closest to us twice today on our first day of school and didn't get a lot of the time that I would need focus time with the kids. But they did do their own math by themselves and they did a great job. And we kicked off. We're starting with world explorers in the age of exploration, so Leif Erikson and Columbus and a handful of other explorers, and then we're going to learn about the empires that came from them. And I, I use my father's world curriculum and really like how it structures a lot of things around the flow of history. And Titus particularly loves history, and so he is the oldest, kind of drives a lot of the mindset that we the rest of the kids have towards learning and
0: unfortunately
1: well fortunately and unfortunately but when it comes to history he's he's really engaged and we we will be talking even this week about a couple of explorers that he had never heard of so he was kind of excited to have that uh on the horizon for him and um, we're, we're supposedly supposed to memorize the entire book of James this year, what? which is wild, right? But it's built into the curriculum. So the discipline is there for me Whoa. to keep the kids working on it. So you can memorize it with us if you want. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with the kids. But, uh, Titus I've and I've never memorized
0: a whole book before. I've memorized whole chapters. Yeah. I've memorized, I think the most I've ever memorized. Ah, oh, Stink. I think it was 1 Peter. I memorized first three chapters of 1 Peter. I was really close. I should have kept going. And I, did.
1: I had to memorize 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 in seminary. And then we had a test where we literally just had to sit down and write both hmm. chapters out. So at that time, I, I ran on treadmills. And I would just run on the treadmill with index cards and flip through 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. And that was the era in my life where I was switching from NIV to ESV memorization oh, and it boy. was very hard and I'd still I had one of those moments prefer in my life for the language of the ESV just because that's what I know
0: yeah, I need to be better this fall maybe with when things now that you guys are back in school, I can sit down and have my morning uh, every morning, especially this typically happens way more for me during the winter. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but in the winter, I I'll get up, I'll make coffee, I'll come down to my studio here, and I'll sit for an hour, an hour and a half, and I'll have I'll go through a deliberate Bible-oriented devotion. I may go through my Bible study, but then I'll have I'll pick up another specifically theological book, mm-hmm. and I've got one called "The Beauty of the Lord" that I really want to go through. Um, where's, where,
1: where's that? Uh, it's King. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's it's. Um,
0: I asked for this one So my, my... Sorry I'm, I'm up I'm up walking around um, I had to go to the bookshelf So one of the pastoral figures in my life um, Bill Nikitas I've done I also did um, Some film projects with him And he's one I, I did The Half Devil Half Child movie with um, He w- went through this an entire year And said it was just Lovely And, and the, the subtitle is Theology as Aesthetics By Jonathan King um, the forward Molly is by Kevin Van Hooser. Hello. So this was a, I think this was a doctoral dissertation. Um, pro- if it's Van Hooser, then it's probably Westminster. But um, I think was a doctoral dissertation, but it's, uh, Bill just absolutely loved it. And so um, I have a desire to go to go through this. And it's heavy. It's kind of like a Carl Truman thing. So that's my that's my plan this fall. If I can sit down and be disciplined, because I've gotten way out of whack on hey speaking of getting out of whack on bible reading tell tell the tell our peeps how because i know a lot of people are probably like i'm really out of whack on bible reading too tell them the the unique approach that you're
1: oh i talk about this like but every it's, year at this time i
0: know but it's been a lot it's been like since yeah, last it's year been a while.
1: <laughs> so yesterday kicked off the bible reading challenge that i've been doing for three years now which they do a what they call it's However you feel about Douglas Wilson, it's Douglas Wilson's church and Douglas Wilson's daughter Rachel Jankovic spearheads this Bible reading challenge and their their mentality is and they haven't posted any videos on this recently, but what what got me doing it was the mentality is scripture is your daily bread and you eat what is given what is set out for you on any given day and it nourishes you on that day but if you sit down to a meal and you go ugh i didn't eat breakfast lunch or dinner yesterday you you don't sit down to breakfast on tuesday morning and say i can't eat breakfast until i eat breakfast lunch and dinner from monday you you're thankful for what's before you. You trust that it's going to be the nourishment that you need, especially when you have read The End of Craving and you believe that your body craves what it actually needs. In this case, you believe that the Lord is setting before you through his word what will nourish you on any given day. So so you, this it's a very guilt-free, joy-filled, trusting in the Lord and developing a passion and a hunger for eating God's word as your daily bread. And this yesterday kicked it off with Psalm 119. And today was Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and John 1, 2, and 3. So we will be reading the book of Genesis parallel with the book of John. And oh, wait, this is something interesting that I haven't told you from Kelly Capek's book. This is a little, I will get back to the Bible reading challenge, but
0: what's the name of the book?
1: You're Only Human. The one that I started Mm -hmm. when we were in Idaho. So, so of course, everybody knows Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Gen- John 1 is a very deliberate echo of that put in the new covenant, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, John is polemically starting his book by equating... Jesus is the word of God as the God through creator. So Jesus is God is a huge polemic throughout the book of John, but he starts off with... So if you were... He says, imagine yourself as an illiterate Jew who goes to the synagogue to hear God's word spoken and you have somebody like a Paul, you know, come to and be invited to share God's word... And they begin, in the beginning, you know what's coming because you've been hearing this for your entire life. You expect, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And instead, this person totally goes off the rails and says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he, so the, that's really interesting. And since I spent so much time in John earlier in the spring, that really resonated with me. But then Cape It goes on to say, Genesis 2, I don't have it right in front of me, but Genesis 2, so Genesis 1 is in the beginning. Genesis 2 starts off by basically, it uses the word generations. So this is the story of the generations of God's people or something, or of, now I'm just going to look it up really quickly while I'm talking. Uh, Genesis 2 says, um, Genesis 2 4. These are the generations in the beginning of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. So who starts off his gospel with, gener- with a word that's etymology- etymologically related to generations? Hmm. Matthew, Matthew 1, 1, the book of the genealogy or the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so he basically says that John 1 is to Genesis 1 what Matthew 1 is to Genesis 2, which is kind of interesting. Oh. I can't remember what his point was with that, Interesting. except I just love the fact that there's all these hooks. And when we read the New Testament, it just becomes all the richer when we get these mental hyperlinks to the Old Testament because we're so steeped. And we believe in the value of the Old Testament, because if this is the story of the generations of Jesus Christ, it's also the story of the generations of us as the people of God. Hmm. And so it's our history as well as the history of of God and of his, his Old Testament people, we tend to think. But it's the story of God and his people that includes us. Okay. That rabbit trail is over. <laughs> Bible reading challenge started off today with, and one of the things I love about how they've structured it is it's not like the Robert Murray McShane Bible reading plan. You just plow straight through the Bible. You start a Genesis and you end in Revelation and the Bible reading challenge. People have tried to pair things in a way that you are drawing these hyperlinks by yourself. So they will pair. You don't just read Genesis one through six for your six chapters of the day. We're reading Genesis alongside John and we'll be seeing New Testament. The Testament reading links. plan had,
0: had something Does similar. He, yeah, you, you pair both against each other.
1: But he doesn't, I don't think it's paired quite as deliberately. deliberately, partly because the way that theologians see all of these incredible links between the Old Testament and the New Testament has grown and evolved so much since the time of McChain.
0: I have wanted to for a long time, and maybe I should look this up for my fall Bible reading, but I want to read through the Old Testament. I want to read through a, a, a version, not a version. I want to read through the actual happenings with the chronology, with the prophecy, all kind of in order. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't want to go from one and now I'm going to read this. Because like, then you have, you know, you in the Chronicles, you have talking about the kings. Well, over here you have actually what's happening with David and some of the, some of the actual happenings and then you have the prophets over here at the same time. And so I want to read through the Old Testament with that in mind and maybe even throw the New Testament prophecy into so it.
1: So, Bible reading challenge will, will also cool. do when you're reading so in Kings when you get the story of David with Bathsheba, then they throw in the appropriate Psalms. So you don't just read straight through the Psalms, but they'll pair the Psalms either either according to exactly what's, either yeah. according to what's happening Historically, or according to themes that you see, so some of the psalms about God laughing at well, Psalm twenty-two would be paired probably mm-hmm. with Jesus dying on the cross. But some of the psalms about God scoffing at people would be paired with the Book of Revelation and right. God the <clears throat> King winning. So they do they do some of that. Yeah, that I,
0: I really want to reading. Plan. I haven't spent any time. It's always something I've wanted to do. I haven't spent any time you looking to see You can join my reading plan actually... with
1: me. It's somebody... not just women.
0: I know, but has somebody, like, developed that yet?
1: I believe there are probably chronological Bible reading plans. That's what it would be called,
0: uh, uh, where it follows the it would timeline. Include, it would include prophecies and everything bulked in there at one time.
1: I don't know. Maybe somebody out there has a recommendation for you, but you've... I'm sure it's... No, actually,
0: there. speaking of joining you for your Bible reading plan, it, it occurred to me as you were talking about Kelly Capek's book, you've mentioned to me before... The concept of having like a book, some sort of like book club it was in a different context. But then I thought, well, maybe it could be fun for all of us listening to Too Busy to Flush to like take one book and then, you know, work through it all together at the same time. The problem
1: is there's so many people who are several episodes behind because they have busy lives and they can't listen to an hour of podcasts at a time.
0: And we don't actually have a way to, to delegate or to separate channels out on Telegram. So we couldn't have like a, hey, here's the channel for those of you that are joining our book club. That'd be a Discord thing and nobody wants to move platforms, so.
1: I do kind of feel like we are a bit of a book club because we talk about what we're currently reading. A lot. A lot, because that's... Everybody
0: talks about what they coming. ...what's yeah.
1: fodder for what we're thinking about.
0: I'll include the link to the to the Telegram Too Busy to Flush book club. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, no, today somebody dropped dropped the... Somebody decided to, I don't remember who it was, decided to drop
1: Catherine the, brought up the worship The music. worship
0: thing, and then Phil drops the Hillsong bomb and runs away. It was just Hilarious. really funny. It was a really I, amusing conversation. So
1: Phil, I think, I don't know Phil personally, but I feel like he's probably more our age than Catherine is. Mm-hmm. And when I was a high schooler in a very stereotypical... American Evangelical Church Youth Group. And I will throw this out there. When I say very stereotypical, the sort of games that we played were they would take an intern, so a college boy, and they would put gross foods in his mouth and he would chew them up and spit them out. And then somebody else was like
0: the worst somebody
1: else would and then all of this stuff would get mixed up together and then somebody else would have to drink from this cup of all this mixed-up gross stuff that this guy had chewed up and spit out. Or there was a game where they would put the girls on the shoulders of guys and put an egg on the guy's head with a Mm -hmm. cut-off pantyhose, and then the girls had to try to use a Mm rolled-up magazine to smash the egg on top of the other guy's head. So that was... The And, you know, God works in mysterious ways. I'm sure he was bringing people to the Lord. At least they weren't—it was a little bit later on in American youth culture where they were giving away free iPads for kids to come to youth group and the giveaway era—
0: that was after my. That time. was
1: after our time. Our time was the, our time sort of was the pinnacle of purity culture. Like get Ugh. the purity ring from your parents. But the gross and youth group, gross group games. Youth group you guys, games. I have fond
0: memories of youth group. I grew up going to every youth group. I did the youth leadership thing, the worship theme thing. I did the whole thing. I hated. I despised and refused to play those stupid games that are just gross. Disgusting And if dumb. you were
1: a sub 100 pound middle school girl, some of them are flat out terrifying. Because <laughs> because if they would combine the middle school youth group with the high school uh-huh. youth group, you would have a 200 pound guy playing dodgeball, throwing balls at an 85 pound seventh grader. It was terrifying.
0: Uh, no, that was just somebody. Okay. Needs, somebody needs to do it. Do a, a kind of a.
1: Oh, there's all sorts of parodies. No, not mean. a
0: parodies, but I would actually like be interested in like a real, thoughtful, but kind of like self-deprecating, amusing expose or examination the, of 90s youth culture. And not
1: culture. there probably are some out there, but most of them are coming from a place of deconstructionists. Yeah, we don't you so do that. So the Josh like, Harris, the Derek Webbs, mm-hmm. who were like. Who have gone so far past? They don't. They're not critiquing from a place of love. Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking of critiquing a place of love of the people or of the Lord.
0: I would love to see something that's like one part nostalgia, the other part like, are we absolutely were we crazy? Was this the stupidest thing? I have no idea. Like going back and like looking at it, but also looking at it from sort of a because I think most most people, honestly. We'll have a fond memory. Like, you know, we laugh about those things. They uh-huh. were really stupid, but we laugh about it. Like,
1: I genuinely really liked my youth pastor. I did and too. He's still, I love my youth pastor. He's still a major figure in our community and has not fallen. <laughs> 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 and he loves the Lord and people are coming out of his church who love the Lord and who love God's word. And, um, I had a great relationship with him and mm-hmm. with his wife and, yeah, so, so you have to critique with nostalgia in a way, in two ways. One, where you're critiquing in a spirit of love, sort of like, you can look at any, I'm thinking about the Crusades. You can mm-hmm. critique the Crusades from a place of these people genuinely loved God and thought they were doing the Lord's bidding and did some really stupid stuff <laughs> yeah. and harmed the kingdom in some ways. And possibly helped and promoted the kingdom in other ways. So so you can look at almost any era of history. And then the other question is, not just how do I critique in a spirit of love for God and love for his people, as well as being honest. I mean, like you can look at the American Civil War yeah, in the same way. And the, mm-hmm. the church, how the church acted in the American Civil War. You also have to be able to look at yourself and your contemporaries and say, what are we doing right now that is utterly stupid and will be mocked later on, both for the silliness (laughs) as well as for the way that it sent people away from the kingdom of God with a bad taste in their mouth? Uh, And how is God working and calling people to himself and doing the steady advance of his kingdom because he is lord of his church despite the incredible silliness and stupidity and those are different things of his people as they're executing his church how do we how do we try to avoid those pitfalls now knowing that we can't be totally avoiding of those because we're we're fish who are I mean there was there's the also that we're in.
0: right and there's also the the very real I think there's a there's sort of a a thread of the the Christian music culture, you know, audio adrenaline, DC talk, jars of clay. The early stuff was so newsboys Newsboys was so prominent in that culture, too. Like Mm -hmm. they come to town, you know, 12 churches would all take their youth groups at hundreds of kids apiece. Mm -hmm. You don't have that anymore, you know, and it's just it's a totally different totally different thing now so i said
1: newsboys like that you guys because our kids still oh listen to newsboys and love them they, not the stuff that we listened to no, it's newer the newer stuff the
0: newer stuff yeah but part yeah. i
1: don't know if that's because they don't like that stuff or if that's not what the I apple music algorithm feeds I, them I,
0: we haven't they don't listen yeah they're not they don't listen to. they haven't listened to much of the old stuff the peter furler john james
1: those names it's don't the, mean anything to me. it's
0: the it's they're the original Australian boys. I, uh, Only the drummer is the original, I think, anymore. <clears throat> Joey okay, Davis
1: so, a couple so you ago. bring up music, and that actually goes um, back to the original point that we were discussing, because Catherine was wondering if yes. she had heard somebody saying that music with beats in it is intrinsically evil because the beat comes from African pagan Satan worship, however you want to put that. And in 90s music, or 90s youth group culture, many of us watched a documentary called Hell's Bells. Hell's Bells. <laughs> oh, man. And we... we AC/DC
0: were t- on the cover.
1: We were taught that it had these subliminal messages in it, and you play it backwards, and it's saying these evil things. And so you have to avoid all of this, because the beat in it is driving satanic messages into your soul. Is It's been a really long time since I've that was almost coming so yeah so
0: we were we were youth group i remember that in junior high like i was probably sixth grade moving into junior high when that was kind of the thing and that was more like that was coming out of the 80s kind of the late 80s do you remember the whole like Christian film thing, you know, like Thief in the Night and all the random no. 80s stuff that was 1989
1: is when the documentary came out.
0: Yeah. So it's 1990. three hours and
1: five minutes. Yeah. That'd
0: have been locked. freshman and junior high freshman year. So
1: that. It's, it's got a sequel.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I, my comment and not everybody's gonna agree with me. is was like, you know, Catherine was talking about, um, she'd mentioned that she, she talked to. And she to lives in Africa. Yeah, but she talked to somebody who his argument was that music itself is inherently isn't inherently morally good or bad mostly in the context of what should be used in worship. He explained that what he thinks is makes music bad is mostly when there is a dominance of the beat. And it seemed to be basing that out of a belief that dominant beat came out of African pagan ritual worship. I can understand seeing that seeing the problem with beat dominant pagan ritual worships in, you know, ritual worship in certain cultures. But the fact is, rhythm and beat have been around a lot longer than the modern history's African culture. Yeah. So, sure. I mean, I've not seen, as I, as I mentioned in the post, I've not seen um, a really Doesn't good... Doesn't
1: Psalm 150 exegetic... reference drums or beats or something, tambourines?
0: Oh, there's tambourines and stuff, you know, smack your tambourine all over Psalms. I've just not yeah. seen, I've just not heard a good exe- biblically exegetical... Argument for symbols, an, for the anti beat crowd. Clashing
1: symbols. <laughs> uh, anyway, I. So
0: you guys, speaking of, we went to uh, we attended um, one of the local Lutheran churches on Sunday, not Sunday, previous Sunday, and we only had two of our kids with us. Um, you know, on paper, theologically, they're about as removed from us as as you know. Reformed Baptist would be on the other side. So if the pendulum were kind of in the middle, on one side you've got kind of LCMS Lutheran, and then on the other side you've got Reformed Baptist. You know, that's kind of in my head anyway, on paper. But man, going into the service, I mean, we like, we love liturgies, we love high church. Wow. Um, The singing wasn't super like, you know, somebody said, well, you have to You have to be singable or you have to have hymns. Well, here you don't, you have all hymns, but they're not singable. You know, they,
1: they, this weren't. Is a, they were a struggle for they me. They
0: were a struggle. They were a total struggle for me.
1: And they was, were a struggle for a lot of people. I yeah. looked around and you have the loud blasting organ, which covers over how few people are singing, which I say that with love because we know a lot of people who go to that church that we yeah. know and love. And they run a school that. Many of our friends really and their kids solid. too, and it's a really solid school. But uh, you want to know something funny about kids? Music you guys, is just funny. We walked out of the service, and we had Lily and Faith with us. And Lily looks at us and goes, "I don't think Titus and Elise would have liked that service very much. <laughs> it was hysterically diplomatic. I was so proud of her for how incredibly diplomatic she was. In she said nothing about her own." Preferences and everything about how she was thinking other people would have experienced that. Yeah,
0: music can just be really touchy for a lot and of folks. And
1: it's it's such a culturally conditioned thing. So when our friend of ours followed up and said, Hey, how'd you like this or church service that I saw you guys at? I was like... I, I You have, probably
0: saw the guest book that I found because he wasn't there. That's
1: true. I have spent years of my life trying to cultivate a taste for beer. Just because every now and then on a hot day, you see people throwing back a cold beer and it seems like it would be really refreshing <laughs> and satisfying. And then I crack it open and I'm, nope, don't like it. Nope, still don't like it. And after years of trying to develop the taste, because everyone says it's an acquired taste, it's an acquired taste. I gave up because I was like, There are too many other good things to drink out there. Yeah. I don't need to waste my time consuming calories that I don't need and that I don't like. And not that I don't need or like calories from a Lutheran worship service. don't take that equivalent <laughs> too far, but the fact—I feel like the Lutheran worship service is an acquired taste, and you either grow up drinking the Lutheran beer, so to speak.
0: <laughs> Martin would be proud.
1: <laughs> or, or you go and you invest a lot of energy and time in acquiring that taste, especially for kids who haven't, who've yeah. been eating. Evangelical chicken nuggets their whole lives <laughs> and drinking wine. Punch. Only
0: take only take that <laughs> only take that analogy so far.
1: Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I just remembered we had another another kink in our first day of school oh. today. What was it? We had a fire alarm go off at six. O'clock. Oh my gosh! So we, you guys, we have Vivint, <sighs> which is you know the whole house automated, connected to online. Plus, we
0: have the ones we have the ones that. Are mandated by, you know, county building codes. So we that you have, have, to have in here the mechanical so, ones. So
1: the the put the D battery in, and they chirp and drive you crazy. The and you volt. have to. We have those in every room, but we mm-hmm. also have ones that are interconnected, and send an automatic notice to the fire department. Not automatic. To they send it to the Vivint processing center, which then will call the fire department for you if they think that there's danger. But at six o'clock it went off for a few minutes. Every room in the house
0: It went had, off for a few seconds, like twenty seconds and, and then, then quit. blipped.
1: And we were like, Okay, that was weird. And then
0: So I'm getting up, I'm running around the house looking for Trying something to see what's going crazy.
1: on. And then at six twenty two it went off and escalated. Fire alert! Fire alert! It's like and,
0: the panel, the control panel. it goes yelling from at this, me.
1: it goes from this kind of chirping to a full-on siren in every room. And Elise comes out of her room crying hysterically because she's scared. And and then we get I'm a phone around. call through the panel.
0: They don't even call my cell phone. I've got my cell phone. I'm like, i gonna call my phone. No, they call me through the freaking panel.
1: But there's then, that's what they're supposed to do. I know,
0: do. but it's like. I'm running around the house trying to turn the things off. I was like, can you guys temporarily turn this off? No, we can't. Great. So, and
1: and we're trying to figure out the source of it. The only thing we can figure out is there's a handful of forest fires that aren't super close to us, but close enough that it's very hazy. It was we can't see the mountains. We can't see the sun. And because it's in the hundreds here and it cools down into the 60s at night, I open up all the windows in the house and it cools the house down to 65 or so. So even though it's... I don't know what the temperature is outside right now. It's in the mid-90s. Our AC has not yet come on today because I cooled the house down so much overnight. Right. And that's the point, right? But it let enough smoke in. But we have, we have an air... Clearer, I, I, an air purifier think, that didn't even register. But I don't
0: think smoke. I don't I don't necessarily. Um, I wonder if the smoke detectors are. And somebody probably out there knows, listens to our show. I wonder if the smoke detectors actually detect a particular particle. chemical or particle in a in a in a volume of those. particles chemicals or particles rather than something, hey, your house is full of haze whatever or a haze that that you know, so these two things are actually registering different things. Yeah. It's not enough to set our, our
1: air, air doctor purifier. off,
0: which you know, the oven will send it off all the time, but it's enough to send off because it's smoke or something. That's that's the only thing I can like Yeah, feel.
1: anyway. But uh, yes, guys
0: I'm so preconditioned from having babies over the years. That my first thought is, I need to shut this off so it doesn't wake up the kids. Yeah. I need to kill this volume before it wakes up the kids.
1: That and, was like my only thought. And Faith slept straight through I was through more it, concerned about that than but the fire. everybody else was up about an hour before normal. And it just made our morning wonky. And we were all groggy and discombobulated from this screaming alarm. I we I was actually bundling the kids up because it was 60 degrees outside i was bundling them up in blankets to have them sit outside in the grass or in a chair i'd already kicked our dog out because he was getting really anxious and i was gonna just put him outside until we could get the fire alarm off and when it when it finally stopped but um i i tried to nap with the two older girls on the couch for an extra hour and that didn't work very well and then i got up and tried to start doing my Bible reading and Elise wanted to snuggle with me. And so I only made it through Genesis one to three, not through John one to three. And then I opened my Instagram and I got hit with this reminder, which, uh, we're getting close enough to needing to wrap up that I am going to stop talking after I read you this reminder. This is from risen motherhood, the account on Instagram. And she says, what if God intended motherhood to be hard? For a holy purpose. What if God, in his wisdom, ordained this particular hard for you, Mama? This strong willed child, parentheses, the one who freaked out screaming while she had to get her passport t- photo taken. <laughs> These sleepless nights, parentheses, or the ones where you're woken up in the middle of the morning by a fire alarm. This many kids in this many years, these limits, these parameters, the fact that I got half of the schoolwork done that I should have done on our first day of homeschooling for the year, this distinct motherhood is what God designed for you to have with a holy purpose. And Psalm 119 that I read yesterday, I... I have this little ESV pocket Bible that's just of the Psalms, and I've had it for years. I I think I probably got it when I was in seminary and the Westminster bookstore started selling the ESV Bible in general. Or I might have even been given it for free because they were trying to get people trying to get the ESV to catch on then, and they were handing them out like candy at Halloween, except they don't celebrate Halloween. And they were handing out ESV, the, so the Reformation Gospel of Day. John. But, uh, so I, when I read the Psalms out of this particular one, I will note uh, things that struck me and sometimes the date. Uh, for example, reading Psalm 119, I have the names, I have 9-21 written by a verse... Somewhere in here, uh, my soul, verse 28 of Psalm 119, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And I have written here, Bob and Wanda 8, 2005. And I'm fairly certain that that's when Bob and Wanda were our missionary friends in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. And their son died, their only son died in a car crash. Mm. And I'm pretty sure it was August of 25 or 2005. So for some reason, I was reading this then, and that was my prayer for them then. And I have a sticky note at the beginning of Psalm 119 that says a number of different things. It must be from a commentary I was reading on it or something. I don't have it dated. But it says, notice the use of affliction and the benefit of God's word in affliction. And you get about halfway through Psalm 119, and the word affliction starts popping up a lot. And... He says things like, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now, parentheses, post-affliction, I keep your word. So God used affliction to draw me to himself and make me a law keeper. And it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. And so then... You let steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. And this is the one that struck me. I think it was just last week. I was talking about delight mm-hmm. and the need for delight to be, in my humble opinion, a defining. was your rant. Uh, yes. A the the fact that I'm increasingly convinced that delight needs to be a defining feature of Christians in 2022 America because the way we're going is there's so many things competing for our affections and the biblical terminology for that is idols, right? And the antidote to an idol has to be loving something better. You can't fight the idol for the sake of fighting the idol. You can only successfully fight the idol when you love something better than your sin. You love something better than your phone. Yeah. Last week I referenced, Giving your teenagers experiences and relationships that are better than their phones. You can't compete with that by just telling them get off your phone. You have to give them a better experience. You can't compete with, yeah. And so he says, "If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction." And I think about all of the people in our world with mental illness right now. Like the number of Americans who are on medication for psychological issues which I think there's for sure a time and a place for that to help you be functional and, yeah, even to get to a point where you are functional for people who have severe depression or anxiety. But how many people are just getting to a point of being functional without finding something in which to delight and something good and genuine and genuinely satisfying in which to delight and how many people in our world are settling for getting functional and then scrolling alone (laughs) to use your podcast episode that I think we referenced last week and and, and that's a really poor substitute for anything that's real how many people are I'm going to call people out here using artificial sweeteners as a substitute for taste and see that the Lord is good and you know, this Psalm, this is my soul will delight in the richest of food, and I take that very literally and very. It's very important to me. <laughs> but, um, and an interesting thing in Psalm 119 is, of course, the entire Psalm is about loving the Word of God and the Law of God, and so we love the right path that God sets out before us because. Psalm 119 says his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the law of God is something that we delight in and it literally saves our lives because we live in a really tough world. I, speaking of living in a tough world, I created a country song for Titus yesterday who really hated the weed pulling task that you gave him
0: and guys, I'll work on it and record it and send it to you.
1: (laughs) Well, every time I sang it, it was different. And then, you know what I realized after I sang it, I was singing in heaven, there will be no weeds. And then I kept trying to come up with different riffs on and things to say about in heaven, there will be no weeds. I don't remember even the tune, let alone anything besides in heaven, there will be no weeds, except I think that's an important thing for a kid. To understand you, you're fighting the weeds of the ground. I think I said something about, like, only only fruits and vegetables from the good seeds rhymes with weeds would be another line of it. But then I realized, was Hiceps consciously riffing on this song, In Heaven There Will Be No Beer? That's why we drink it here. You don't know this song. Hmm. You went to a Christian college. And you didn't have a Wyoming cowboy dad. There's a song called In Heaven There Will Be No Beer. That's why we drink it here. And it's like a college drinking song. High school for college football game song. And I don't think I was subconsciously riffing on it, but apparently the fact that it even popped into my brain, I was. Anyway, there. in heaven there will be no weeds. In heaven there will be no affliction. And in heaven there will be perfectly following and perfectly delighting in the law of the Lord, because that law reveals to us God's perfections and it reveals to us the perfect way to live according to God's perfections, because we've been made in the image of God as we read today, if we're doing the Bible reading challenge in John one or Genesis one and the, just the, Psalm 119 just struck me with the repetition of affliction as well as a repetition of delight that this is not this outdated, weird thing that David's doing, but it's very relevant for us here and now, for those of us who are afflicted and for those of us who need to deliberately practice delighting in God ourselves and delighting in the good things that God gives us, as well as offering the best things out To everyone that we're trying to evangelize, whether it's our children or the rest of the world around us, they are afflicted and they, the only thing that offers them hope is delighting in the law of God.
0: It's a good word. You guys, if you want to give us any feedback or interact with us in any way regarding the show and our content, what we've had to say, you can do so um, probably... uh, the best or most consistent way to do it is to jump on Telegram and um, do it from your computer or your tablet. Don't do it from your phone because you don't need any more social media on your phone. But jump on Telegram. I'll include the link in the show notes. we got a Telegram group where we typically have all of our discussions. If you don't want to do that, you can send us an email at tb2f. That's the number two. tb2f at pmpapamike.me. Or you can jump on our website, too busy to flush, all grammatically correct toobusytoflush.com, and scroll all the way down, and we've got a postcard option. You can send us a postcard. So for those of you that ordered stuff over the last two months and didn't get your orders, my fault, speaking of our website. Um, the I had a credit card compromised back in June and forgot to update my credit card on the uh, service provider that provides all of our swag. So had to do that, but everything should have been shipped out and updated by now. So Apologies for that. If you do want to order something, like a people are weird and hard mug, or just a too busy to flush hoodie or something, uh, those are on our website as well. So that said, I'll include all of the other uh, links and stuff that we've talked about throughout the show in the show notes. And yeah, we're gonna go do judo now.
1: Some of us, some of us are taking our eleven-year-olds to hunter safety.
0: This will be 100%. my third
1: time driving to Laurel today.
0: <laughs> Which is funny. And we
1: still have to go out there one more time it, to hand in my passport application. It's probably been like
0: six months. Over the course of six months, we drive to Laurel like three times. So this is amusing.
1: Yeah. it. You know.
0: Anyway, you guys.
1: Have a good week, even if you are afflicted in whatever way affliction looks like living in this fallen world where people are weird and hard and there are lots of really hard to pull weeds in our hearts and in our yards yep god is good and i don't mean that in even the remotest shallow sense that 90s youth group culture would tell us that
0: (laughs) see you guys next week